actually serving people by being open with feedback and by addressing feedback. Being really direct and open with feedback is not a natural thing. It's not comfortable for me. I worry about the actually delivery of it. Even if my intent is pure, my intent is to serve them and help them. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. In addition, share this episode on social media tagging us at Accounting High. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat. May I have your attention, please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star. Scotty and Coach Olson. We're going to have a problem here. Class is in session. Today we have part four of five for our PX. This is PX4 creating. This is PX4 competency, creating performance. That's the little subtitle, but performance. What's up, Coach Shelson? Scotty, it's good to see you again. Good to see you again. Competency, creating performance. We've got three parts already released of this series. Our first one was the curriculum for the people experience. Second one, we went over the culture, creating culture. And then we talked about coaching and creating leaders. Now we're talking about performance, competency. So... Tell us a little bit about this episode, Dave. Yeah, it's all about creating performance throughout the organization. So we talked about creating leaders, and this is about creating performance. And we talked in, I believe it was the first episode, about Nimble's people experience, a PX vision. And a really important piece of that vision is that we each person knows where their performance stands at all times and experiences the fulfillment of high performance. And I think that second part of that vision is super important is this isn't about pushing for results in the company and, you know, maximizing the profit of the company, for example, this is really about recognizing that each of us have a desire to progress and be the best we can be. And by creating performance within the team, that's where the fulfillment comes from, you know, and we have all these other factors in the business, like, you know, there could be cultural aspects like fun or ping pong tables or even compensation and benefits and all that. Those are all great. But if it's not 
accompanied by the deep fulfillment that comes from progression. It comes from getting better. It comes from knowing that you're making a difference in the vision of some cause. Then the, all everything else really falls flat. This is just as much. This is both for the company and for the individual just as much. Oh, that's huge. And that's really important uh, thing to bring up because a lot of people do think it's about like culture is just the fun stuff, the things we do outside of that. But people need to be fulfilled and feel like they're growing as individuals. And if you can provide that for them, then they're not going to look elsewhere for that too. Yeah, for sure. You know, in my experience in talking to people, people would rather feel like they're, and, and I'm speaking in generally, of course, everybody's going to be a little bit different in how they look at this, but the opportunity to progress and to feel like you're just becoming more whole as a person and, and moving along is going to be more important than money or a lot of other a lot of other factors. Yeah, for sure. So let's start creating performance here. What's the agenda for today, at least I'll, I'll go over, is we're going to talk about the competency. We're going to talk about performance agreements, talk about ongoing feedback, performance reviews, training, compensation, salary, benefits, variable pay and lifestyle. So lots of stuff. This one's action packed. Yeah, there's a super lot to talk about in this area. And I think it's, it's important for us to just define what really is performance and what does it mean to create a culture of performance. And I can, it can be just as simple as what are, we talked in our last episode about the accountability chart. You know, what, what is each person accountable to in the roles that they have? And performance is simply being accountable and fulfilling the outcomes that are defined as part of that role. And ideally, those outcomes would be aligned with the overall vision and, and direction of the business. So really, it's performance is contributing to the overall direction in the company, you know, as defined by each department, each, each role. Yeah, for sure. All right. So yeah, let's get into um, this whole before stage of it, before their employees. Yeah. So even to be able to perform, you have to know what does performance look like? What, what is the standard here? And at Nimble, we have what we call performance agreements. And basically it's a combination of the, it's like a job description and the accountability chart. It's a combination of outlining that, but also the specific metrics that go along with that role. And for someone who's been with the company, you know, more than just beginning, it's where do they currently stand in those metrics? And if they're not living up to what they've, what that role is defined as, then we include in that performance agreement a plan for getting them there. So just as an example, you know, in, in Nimble, we have a, a metric for client service people, a multiple of monthly recurring revenue that they handle is one of their metrics for performance. And of course, a new person isn't going to be handling any revenue yet. And so, and it's going to take them, you know, in most cases, a, a few months to fully um, get up to that, that point. So there may be a, a check-in point where, you know, they're agreement is to get to four times revenue. And at this point, they're only two times revenue. So what is the plan to get them there? Um, is it, you know, just waiting for sales? Um, or is it learning the learning the business or process or learning to lead the rest of their team and doing that? So there's a lot of factors that could be contributing to their performance at an important time. And that performance agreement will define, you know, what are the, the next steps in, in getting there? Cool. So that's real important. And then after they get started or during the during phase, that ongoing feedback, how do you do that? How do you provide them that feedback? I mean, we talked about on the last 
series, last episode, one-on-ones, but that was more to create the space. What's the right place and how do you do that ongoing feedback? Yeah, so it, it doesn't do any good to create this performance agreement, this document, then put it on the shelf and don't look at it again. It's got to be ongoing coaching. We talked about coaching last time, ongoing coaching to that performance agreement and checking in. We have, we use a, a software system called 15.5 and it allows an automatic uh, reminder to do a weekly check-in. And there's a series of, of questions that um, go along with that. It ties in there, any rocks or, or goals that they have and questions about how they're doing their, what they accomplished in the past week and what they have planned for the coming week. And so that's, that's one way to check in on performance and how they're doing. And then the coach could use the material from that weekly check-in on their next one-on-one and follow up on, on certain questions or certain things are getting done or, or not getting done. And then, like I mentioned in, in those one-on-ones, that creates an opening for alignment around the business and the role, checking on how people are doing and how the role is fitting into their their life goals and how they're feeling about their team and their, their capacity and, and any, anything else that may go into that. And then it'd also be checking in on this, this performance agreement. So if there's, I, I didn't mention this before as part of the performance agreement, there, there's an agreement that they will strive to live the core virtues, not necessarily to perfection, but that they'll be striving to live those and that they'll be open to any feedback or to be, to work on any deficiencies that, that are there. So that's an accountability factor. It's also psychological when somebody signs something or commits to something that they're going to hold themselves accountable to that. And it's very effective. I mean, I'm sure it is. I, I, we haven't done that, but that's, it sounds awesome. I love this. Yeah. The, the psychological part of it, um, is the, the co-creation of it. It's not that I think job descriptions can sometimes be, that's a, a good starting point. But, you know, you bring someone into a role and say, this is your job and here's your metrics, then it can seem like a, a one-way thing. But this agreement, it's a two-way thing. It's coming together on, here's the role, here are the metrics, and like, what contribution do you have to this? And what do you agree to this? Or what, what do you see we need to modify? Things like that. It's a conversation rather than just a being dictated to. Yeah, that, yeah, that's dope. And then that would be the ideal for the ongoing feedback as well, is that conversation. What's working, what's not working, what's contributing, if there's lack of performance in some way, what's contributing to that, what kind of roadblocks can we can I help with as a coach? Well, everybody's then, empowered in this structure, and then the way that you've set this up, you've empowered everybody to have a voice in their own career paths and their own outcomes. They can choose a lot of, you know, they, they dictate how well it goes, and they're part of this. And then they take ownership in it and you're going to, you're going to get more out of them. This is, I just read a book recently, Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And she talks about leaders that create leaders that are create multipliers. The difference between a multiplier and a diminisher is they get more out of their people. A multiplier can get, you know, some, somebody will give more than they even have to give because they end up growing as a person too. And bringing that to the table because they have a say at the table. A diminisher is somebody who's told what they're going to do. And a lot of cases, what they're getting is maybe 50% of that person at work. They're not giving it their all. They're just giving it what they have to do to get by. And what you're doing is creating a situation where people want to grow as a person. And you're get, not, not getting two times as much out of them 
versus a diminisher, but you're getting more because they're becoming better and they're growing as a person as they work for you. Yeah, awesome. it goes back to that, that two-way two way street we talked about in the beginning, that it's not just about you know getting the most out of performance so the company can maximize their profits. It's about you know creating that person and, and their fulfillment from that progression. And that's really why that those ongoing the ongoing feedback, the ongoing check-ins, the one-on-ones should be a two-way conversation always. What's the performance towards this, the direction of the company and how is the company fulfilling on the, that person's need to grow or to integrate with other areas of their lives? Yeah. Kenji and Matthew talked about a book that they read by Kim Scott, Radical Candor. They talked about a lot a lot. It was very impactful for them at Acuity. And you've got that listed here as part of that. Tell, tell me about that book. Yeah, this is a, a profound book, I think, and it's not something we've intentionally, you know, read across the team and specifically implemented. But it's been helpful for me to think about actually serving people by being open with feedback and by addressing feedback. And that's, you know, for me as a leader, that's definitely, you know, I've heard of, heard Kenji and Matthew talk about this as well. I think I'm I'm similar to them in that being really direct and open with feedback is not a natural thing. It's not comfortable for me. I worry about the actually delivery of it. Even if my intent is pure, my intent is to serve them and help them and move everybody forward. I, you know, I worry about what that, how that delivery is going to come across and it's going to be effective or offensive or what that might be. So that book was helpful for me in thinking through not just the idea of serving people through, through feedback, but some of the how to's of of how to go, to go about that. But that's, you know, so true. Ultimately, by being willing to provide feedback, you're serving the person in their lives and, and you're serving the business. Yeah. So radical candor. Be a kick-ass boss without you losing your hum- humanity. That's the uh, subtitle. Yeah. Without losing your humanity. I love that. So let's talk about reviewing these, this performance and how you do that. You know, we're, we're not talking about going once a year and just giving a performance review here. Yeah, so there's two, I think, two ways to look at performance reviews. One is that those ongoing, the ongoing feedback, the one-on-ones weekly, should be a mini performance review. You know, not that we have to specifically open that performance discussion every week, but there should be an opening to address being complimentary about great performance and also addressing lack of performance. And we still do formal performance reviews at Nimble. We do those twice a year. And those, it's more, it's almost like a check and, check and balance where we train our team and we hope that each of those weekly one-on-ones is effective and they're not just you know, devolving into the tactical, but it's human nature and nature of an organization that not everything happens perfectly throughout the, throughout the organization. So that performance review is kind of a check and balance to make sure that at least twice a year, and again, hopefully much more than that, but at least twice a year we're forcing the conversation. We're forcing everybody to step back and look at, look at performance, review those performance agreements. So the, the key input to those performance reviews are the performance agreement, check in against those, see if there's, see how that's going, see if any updates need to be made. And that's typically part of that performance review every six months is to sign off on either that the performance review is still valid or that it's been updated based on current circumstances. And an example could be like I talked about before, if you know someone's not at their metric of how much revenue they're handling, here's the we define a path of you know how we're gonna get there. So six months later, if they haven't done it earlier, 
we check in and, you know, how's that going? Where, where are we at with our metrics? And are we there? And if not, what adjustments do we need to make? It's that formal check-in. And I mentioned um, 15.5 is a tool for those weekly check-ins. And it also has a built-in performance review cycles that keeps everything in the same place. That sounds awesome. I know, I know Nicole McKenzie, our original coach, still coach, Coach Mac. Um, they, she uses 15.5. She's been talking about that for a while. That's uh, been very instrumental. So yeah, yeah, it's really helpful. And those performance reviews check in. There's the there's three, and I, d- I didn't mention this as part of describing the performance agreement, but there's really three main sections to that. One is the job description or the accountability chart. What are the areas of accountability? The second is the metrics, and the third is core virtues, core virtues alignment. And the format of that performance review is to check in on all three of those areas. That's dope. Yeah. So, so then how do we train our people? What do we do? How do we do that? Yeah, this is a a big focus for us right now. We have not had very intensive formal training throughout, throughout Nimble. It's been more apprenticeship style where someone will come on and they'll work with their coach or a teammate to learn the ropes and they'll read documentation and, and follow the process and that kind of thing. So we're realizing how critical and we're, I feel like we're behind the eight ball here, but we're working to catch up is actually putting formal training in place. We do have already happened for quite a while. We've had an onboarding process where we go through new employees. will go through different checklists of getting up to speed on systems. And we have documentation on how those systems work and how we operate within Nimble in those systems. That's um, more orientation. It's not necessarily training. Yeah, for sure. So it's the beginnings of a training, but it's not what I would consider ongoing training. So we're, we're intentionally creating beginning to create formal training for each level um, or each role in our organization. And so I talked about the original onboarding, I think, and I can't remember exactly where I heard this. I think I may have got it from GitLab. Um, GitLab is kind of a well-known remote company and they put, they have a, a public handbook and they, they have a lot of best practices for um, operating a remote team. And they, I th- I'm pretty sure it's them that they have a concept called reboarding. They have the onboarding process to bring on a new employee, and then they have their team regularly go through a reboarding process. So it's as if they're a new employee, they're checking in on all the the orientation and making sure everybody's on the same page regularly and not just kind of coming on board and then being, being left to defend for themselves from there. Cool. Yeah, I like that reboarding because it's always an ongoing constant process and sometimes people need a refresher yeah so we're we have in the works what we call the nimble course what that each of our team can take we we intend to have it every year just going through all the the core virtues and all the the key kind of foundational elements of of working at nimble who we are and how we work and then that would be a kind of the foundation for everyone for everyone to be on the same page and then we'd have role specific training and are you using any platforms for that any tools yeah, there's lots of training tools out there. We did a few months ago. We went through a search and um, looked at our needs, and we settled on Learning 360. And the way we intend to use that primarily is as a way to organize the documentation we have in place. And so we have what we call the SSOT, the Single Source of Truth, and that's where we have we intentionally document all of our our processes, our client processes, and our any internal internal processes or cross-departmental, anything we're working on, we want to have a single source of truth to go to, to know how we operate. And we're in the 
we've had documentation as a part of our culture throughout the whole time at Nimble, um, but we're going through a process of reorganizing and relooking at um, how we do that. And so what the training would be in Learning 360 would be instead of recreating all the documentation within training, it would be more of a an organized way to point people to different areas. So the training module maybe go to this link and read this documentation and then some exercises or um, quizzes to to test test knowledge through that through that system. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, let's talk about paying people. That's always a big topic. I think everybody's got their own compensation philosophy. How do you guys handle it? Yeah, this is an area that I love to keep learning about because I, I by no means think that we've had it have it figured out. I think it's what I've heard of as a just a hygiene factor. It's not something that's going to make or break people if you have it just right. Like, and I can't remember where I've heard this either, but basically people aren't going to be typically ecstatic about their compensation. It's just kind of is there and needs to be fair and needs to be, be reasonable. It's the other factors like the, the progression, the career growth and performance and all that, that really, and the vision that really keep people, but you still need to get, still need to get compensation, right? Yeah. And it, that's, well, then compensation becomes more or less an afterthought once you have all of those other things in place. But in the beginning, most people are going into a job thinking about what am I going to get paid? And that's usually their top of, typically they go into their job search processes. I have this salary in mind. Once you get beyond that, and once you have that taken care of, then it's all of those other factors that's what keeps people, but also that's what attracts people in some cases too. But figuring out that salary and that, that fair compensation, not getting too excessive about it too. Cause sometimes people just throw money at the problem, pay somebody way too much than they should. So tell me how you guys go about figuring out that happy middle. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways to look at salary. For example, so let's talk about salary or base compensation. What's that starting point? And in the accounting industry, we have you know, fairly, we can have fairly defined roles and, and levels based on role and experience. So there's, there's salary studies out there. There's different ways to research market salaries. You can look at um, job postings and a lot of job postings will post either the salary or a range of salaries. So we do those kind of exercises to look to make sure that we're you know, keeping a pulse on what's out there. And we also get feedback from our team too. They look at, for example, a new candidate comes in in the hiring process. We'll get gather feedback from them of what are they seeing in you know similar roles in in the industry, or our, our current team members may be hearing what's out there and and provide feedback there. So there's a lot of different ways to to kind of hone in on that. And I I don't find that necessarily an easy process. There's no right answer for a lot of roles, but it's you know for us it's doing our best to keep on top of what's what's going out there in the industry. How transparent are you on compensation among the team? So what we do is we have within our career paths that I mentioned before, we have a range of compensation that is defined by each level. So for example, client manager one, client manager two, client manager three, we have a defined range for that role. And we're pretty consistent on, on everybody within that same job title is in that range. So we're transparent in that way. We're not transparent as far as each individual person and letting everybody know what, whatever everybody else makes, but it is within those bands. Mm-hmm. 
so they have a rough idea of it. Cool. What are those bands? Do you know that? Do you have that in mind? Yeah, you're you're testing me. I don't remember off the top of my head. Let me. I believe we're roughly. I'm gonna give rough numbers. I'm not gonna be exact on this, but our entry level. And when I say entry level with our client manager, we we do hire more experienced people um, on our U.S. team because we have our Philippines team fulfills those entry entry level bookkeeping type jobs. So typically, client manager one would have at least uh, two or three years of experience, and that's going to be about fifty five to sixty five thousand mm-hmm. a year. And then CM two is about sixty five to seventy five, and CM three is sixty five to I think a little bit high on that. Maybe it's fifty to sixty, sixty to seventy, seventy to eighty, somewhere somewhere around yeah. that that range fair cool all right now let's get into salaries though like how you handle that or what you're using there yeah so we there's one thing to set the salary when you first hire someone but then it's the ongoing reviews of what does it look like for those adjustments and it ideally we would um, do that on the schedule like the performance review schedule and it would align with the definition of their level so someone you know, we have a pretty clear definition of what's involved in the client manager one responsibility. And when someone has graduated from that and moving up to be promoted to a CM2, then that's a natural time to adjust their salary to be within that range. We also have defined too to provide some more guidance within those levels, we have sub levels. So we have CM1A, CM1B, and CM13. And so those A, B, and C levels would determine roughly where they fit within that range. So, you know, 1A is pretty new and they're learning the process and they require a lot of support. And as they progress up through C, they're, you know, just about ready to move on to the CM2 and responsibility. So that provides some, some structure around those salary increases. We you know, try not to do just arbitrary salary increases that aren't, that aren't tied to that specific performance and specific job role. Yeah. So how do you handle benefits and what do you guys do for benefits? Yeah, so just this year, in 2023, we put in place a group health plan, and we went through a broker to shop the different options. I've been resistant to the idea of group health, given the size of, of our team and the cost involved, but it became you know such an important factor as we recruited that our, our current team didn't really push a lot. They were pretty satisfied with, with what we had in place. But it became more of an issue of recruiting new people, and we we were losing some people because of that, not having group health in place. What we had before that, which is a, a good option that I really recommend and worked well for us for quite a while, it's called QSERA, and the acronym is QSHERA, and it's a program that allows companies to reimburse tax-free for health premiums and, and certain health healthcare costs. So we basically set a range for you can break it down in different categories, such as, you know, single, married, married with children, and you can reimburse, have a set amount that you'd reimburse for health, their private healthcare premiums and their out-of-pocket health, healthcare expenses. And to me, that was a great, I thought that was a good bridge to get us to the actually providing group health. Yeah. I skipped that. <laughs> I skipped that step because it didn't exist when I first did our health plan. We didn't have that many people when we started a health plan for the team fortunately for us we were grandfathered into a pre the new type of health plan that you have to have this was grandfathered in for a long time and now we just had to go into the new types of health plan and our premiums went up like 200 percent 
it was crazy. I'm paying like two or three times more than I was before with this, and it's a worse plan too. Everything changed. I want to go backwards and go to that Qsera now. Our team likes the health insurance. That's a big deal now, and it's the existing team. So yeah, can't do yeah, anything that, about it once you've been given it for a while. Yeah, and it worked out well almost by luck. We had a certain amount we were re- reimbursing under Qsera, and we were able to find a quote, which really surprised me, that was pretty close to, to what we already, already, already were paying. So it wasn't a, a huge jump to be able to provide the full health plan. Yep. Yeah, well, it's not cheap, that's for sure. And I always thought health was like the top one, but I was just I just did an episode on with Gusto about the economy, economy explained, and they said that 401ks are very, very effective. They've been around forever, but offering that seems to be another sticky benefit for employees. Their their reason was because they're you can't get them anywhere else. Like health, you could hop onto a spouse's plan if their company offers it. But you can't do that with a four hundred one k. Yeah, that's a good point. And we do offer a four hundred one k as well through Gusto. Gusto makes it easy <laughs> through their through through guideline, but is very popular with our team. Yeah. So you got I do 401k, have a, you got yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And one one reason I avoided group plans for a while is, you know, it's just my own personal opinion about group health is I feel like they're inherently unfair because not everybody, because they're pretty expensive for people to take advantage of it, but there are some people who don't need it. They may be on a health plan they, or their spouse's plan, or if they're younger, their parents' plan. And so not everybody gets the same benefit across the board. And that, that bothers me a little bit, but it's the environment that we have to operate in so yeah no i feel you i understand well that's a whole nother conversation a whole nother episode if we're going to talk about health insurance and i don't want to get into that now we just <laughs> have to renew ours and it's, it was yeah. another big jump every year it's always something so let's talk about let's talk about some of the variables yeah so variable pay this is something that's been really important to me from the beginning is ha- having the team share in the success of what they're building but even though it was important to me i really took a long time to put something to place. And actually we just put a variable pay program this year um, for the first time. And one of the reasons that was hard for me is because it's can be inherently difficult to design a plan that is fair, that really helps people share or allows people to share directly in what they're creating in a way that doesn't create unintended consequences or gaming or mm. things like that. And so I went through so many iterations of ideas and discussions with our leadership team and five years of that. And it, it took us that long to actually just come across a, a system that we're happy with. So I can, I can describe what we do there, but that's kind of the background is it's can be difficult to, to put a plan in place that doesn't, doesn't cause <laughs> that, that has the outcome that you're intending and it doesn't cause other, other issues. And that also isn't, a huge amount of overhead to manage. If you have different people under different programs, then you're negotiating each person's program and there may be unfairness or differences between those those plans and just becomes a lot to manage. So what we discovered, actually one of our, when someone on our leadership team was familiar with the book called Great Game of Business. And in the Great Game of Business, they talk about a system called Stake in the Outcome. And I don't know if you've heard of that or if we've talked about that, Scott. But. I don't know if we have, no. Yeah. But essentially, there's a lot to it, so too much to, to share in this episode, but I re- recommend going out and looking at that book. And it's basically creating a even playing field for the entire team where it's like a sports team. 
where if the whole team wins, everybody wins. There's no, you know, or very few individual differences. And there's going to be differences, of course, that we've already talked about in, for example, salary. Salaries are going to be differentiated based on someone's role and experience and their performance. But as far as a bonus program, a variable pay program, everybody's on the same program. And there's key metrics that you define of what really drives a business. And then you define a payout based on a payout as a percentage of everyone's salary based on where the company performs in a certain period. And so they, in the book, they use the example of a manufacturing company and they have a yearly cycle of what it means to perform in the company. And then they do an annual bonus based on, or they do a quarterly bonus that's scaled for an annual outcome. So if I remember correctly, I think they do 10% of what's projected in the first quarter, and then they scale it up to there to get to 100% of the, the bonus by the end of the year. And they adjust each quarter based on how it's actually going. Because we're not in a manufacturing environment, we're more of a recurring revenue subscription environment. We do that quarterly. So we, and our two key metrics are MRR growth and gross margin. And so we look at our, we have a matrix of, of MRR growth and gross, mar- gross margin that we look at each quarter. And based on that matrix, we give a payout of a percentage of everyone's salary um, for that. So, you know, our last, we're just getting started and we have some building to do to get into a high enough gross margin that we can really have a a decent payout. But with our Q1 of 2023, we had a 2% payout. So everybody got a payout of 2% of their quarterly salary based on those metrics. And we would like to scale that up, you know, within fairly soon, within reason, we would like to get that more over over five between five and ten percent so that's dope yeah yeah everybody does all kinds of things with bonus it's always so complicated with us accounting firms i don't know why there's always some complex calculations and at the end of the day you know it's all about the team understanding that too is what i found every time we did something if they didn't understand it it wasn't as impactful they didn't understand how they could get it or they could see how they could impact that and what they could do to impact their bonus a lot of times they just didn't really care as much yeah as we pulled our team especially you know a lot of our leadership team for example they've come from other companies and a lot of them came from bonus programs and that was pretty common feedback it's like yeah i got a bonus every year but i have no idea how it was like i don't know what i did to earn it really (laughs) and so it it just and if you have a a bonus like that then it just becomes part of salary you might as well call it salary because it's just part of what people earn so we wanted to create something different than them that's dope yeah all right so let's get into lifestyle yeah so this comes back to our career plans and understanding i think we talked about this in our our last episode of our understanding of people's desires for their lives and the lifestyle they want to live and matching that to the needs of the company and so there's specific mechanisms that we can use, um, like PTO, for example. There's a, a big debate on PTO and how to handle that, especially with remote companies. And, you know, unlimited PTO is all the rage. And there's a lot of complaints about, well, you say unlimited PTO, but what that really means is I don't take PTO because I don't know what I can take. And so what we do is we do say unlimited PTO, but we also say minimum of three weeks is the, is the guideline. Minimum, they have to take three weeks. Yeah, they have, have to take through. So we don't track it closely. We're not accruing it for salary people, but we do want coaches to be monitoring and people to make sure that they do take take that through that at least that that three weeks. And what that looks like in practice, or at least what we train and encourage the team on, is 
three weeks of time where you can unplug and, and get away. And what that looks like is really depending on the person. Some people like to completely unplug and check out and get that refresh and then come back. Some people would prefer actually to keep in touch and maybe clear out messages along the way. So they're not coming back to a full inbox or they may take, you know, six weeks, but you know, all six weeks you're working, you're still keeping in touch and working part of the time. So we really want to leave that flexible to what works for, for people and not, you know, saying you absolutely have to unplug, but you definitely have permission to, if that's what you want to do. That's cool. I've experimented with forcing people to do unplug days where we would have unplug day every quarter and I would collect everybody's phones completely unplug for the whole day. And it was some fun stories of doing that. <laughs> some people didn't like it. And then at some point we just said, okay, you can opt out, but you have to work. If we're all unplugged and you got to work that day and it, oh, we don't even do it anymore, but it was so, it was fun. Like we would go out, I, I bought disposable camera just so we could take pictures and stuff because we didn't even have phones. Sometimes people would get lost because we were driving without, some people didn't have navigators or they didn't know where we were going. It was interesting, but it was just the whole experience of being together without being plugged in, too. That was what we were trying to replicate. It was, this was when we were all in person, too. But um, right. just unplugging in general is hard for some people, but it can also be very liberating. For sure. Yeah, so I think that's sufficient for now to cover lifestyle. But really, the principle is let's understand what people want out of their lives match that to business needs and performance and provide that environment for the team. Yeah. So as you can see, performance isn't just a once a year thing that you do and you review and you just think about it abstractly. This is practically everything that goes into just a performance from creating the agreements, some kind of agreement between the team, the ongoing feedback of that performance, the reviews and how they're conducted, the training, compensation and salary and keeping up with that benefits variable pay and lifestyle so all the components of it we discussed any anything in summary anything you want to leave with our listeners no i think you recapped it well that that covers it but uh, i guess the one recap i want to make sure that we remember is that performance is not just for the benefit of the company it is for the fulfillment and the growth of each individual team member. And so you're really, we're really creating leaders. We're creating people by demonstrating and, and defining performance. So. so, all right, class dismissed.